Welcome everybody to pod number 77 of the Metabilis Two pod people, which is us. <laughs> yes, we are the Metabilis Two. I am David. And I am Ben. And welcome to our podcast. Yeah. And this week, um, well, week, you know. Um, <laughs> this episode. <laughs> this episode of the podcast, we will be covering cliffhangers of the Russell T. What is he? Is he, is he Tiberius? Russell Tiberius <laughs> Davis era. What is he? Is he? It must be Thomas, right? Tara. Is it Tara? You're joking. No, I don't know. Is it anything? I don't know. Okay, hang on to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> what is the T in Russell T. Davis? Pop quiz, yes. Does he go by Davies or Davis? What is the pronunciation if you're Welsh? It's Davis. Davis, so okay, yes. so he's Russell T. Davis. Russell T. Davis, not Davies, but Davis. <laughs> um, wow, Wikipedia says it's just Russell T. Now, yeah, I uh, thought that... Oh, you're right. Okay, so his name is Stephen Russell Davis. Right. He is an OBE. I didn't know he was an OBE. Well, congratulations. Better known as <laughs> Order of the British <laughs> Empire. Uh, but yes, his, the, the T is silent. Um, the T does not stand for anything at all. TARDIS. TARDIS. I think it's Tiberius, though. Um, <laughs> does it say why he changed his name? Hang on. I, this, is this interesting? Please to, feel free to turn off the podcast or fast forward. We've, we've lost our one listener at this point. You know, <laughs> they're like, "What the hell?" I thought this was going about cliffhangers and then irregular not recording about schedule. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, that's Russell T. Davis. Yeah, we all you all know he went to my college at Oxford. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. And you but, missed him by a year or two. Yeah, I'm, I, I really don't like to talk about that very much. Um, <laughs> so, which is why I never ever mm-hmm. mention it. Um, well, cool. Yeah, and you were and you were in London at the same time. You could have been going to. I uh, could. I, I could have been going to all of these locations. I was just thinking about where uh, RTD and Moffat and Chibnall and all those hung out at the pub every week or weekly. Oh, that's the, what, what tavern is that? It's the something. Fitzroy Tavern. Fitzroy Tavern, yeah. I've never mm-hmm. actually been there, uh, mainly because I don't, what's the word? Um, don't really like fans of things that much. <laughs> and yet we're going to Gallifrey. <laughs> and that we are, yes, we are going to Gallifrey uh, to meet a bunch of people who we may not actually like. No, I've never been to Fitzroy Tavern. Uh, I've never really att- attended any pub-based mm-hmm. fan thing. If you had been, you probably would have been writing for the show and you've been show running now no, exactly no i mean i was i lived, I lived in london um you know or i was didn't actually live in well i was traveling to london and lived in london mm-hmm. you know during the wilderness years mm-hmm. so um i should have been down the fits every saturday night or whenever mm-hmm. they got together and yeah I, i'd be writing for the show right now <laughs> or the very least i'd have written a couple of big finishes instead of boomtown they would have called hey ben do you hey, want to write this we our, our writer hey ben, fell through hey ben town exactly um <laughs> yeah uh, i would have had i would have written a couple of virgin novels yep you know new adventures yeah mm-hmm. oh well never yeah. mind it just shows kids always go to the fan meetup in the pub and you may end up running your favorite show like all yep. these people did yep anyway uh, that's enough of that um we're <laughs> here to talk about rtd cliffhangers mm-hmm. and uh i was reading or i was told mm. by my son elliot that the split the pre-credit bits was done deliberately by rtd because he wanted to have a bit of a cliffhanger yeah. to hook the viewer in so yeah. it's a very intentional stylistic thing the pre-credit sequence yeah the cold open is great i think it's um i i actually enjoy that part of mm-hmm. this 
of the RTD era. Mm-hmm. Not sure I picked many of these as my cliffhanger, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. Well, then in 2006, they had also the Tardisodes, the, the oh, prequel. Yeah. The, so, again, another cliffhanger. So, Davis was really into uh, the cliffhanger. It's one of the, I think one of the things that he recognized made classic Doctor Who classic, um, classic or one of the things that captured viewership. And yeah. he was looking for ways that he could have cliffhangers in essentially the format had changed to the program with the 45 minute um, weekly serial where if you have all one parters, there is no real cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. No, there isn't. I mean, there's no place to have it. So, you know, mm-hmm. it just doesn't really exist. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So you, so the best they could do is those pre-credit sequences. Yeah, which work pretty well. You know, I mean, they yeah. they get you to not turn off and turn over to the other side. <laughs> switch it's, over to ITV. Or switch over to ITV or whatever. Channel 4 or whatever. Channel yep. 4 or Sky or some nonsense mm-hmm. like that. Well, yeah, I guess this is an era where you didn't have the terrestrial stations. You also had uh, satellite, satellite stations as well. Yeah, yep. exactly. You never know what people might mm-hmm. want to do. Yeah. So should we crack on in this? Should we? Yeah, uh, and I think it's the same rules, right? So yeah, which, picking five, if we coincide, then we talk about it at the same time and then yep. try and remember whose turn it is next. Yes. Mm-hmm. All yeah, right. So shall I lead off? Why do you not lead off? Yes. Okay. Please so do. my first cliffhanger, I'm going to go off one of the pre-credit sequences. Mm. From Aliens of London. And this is Rose's first trip back to the modern day with Eccleston Doctor. And she gets out of the TARDIS and asks, how long have I been gone? Mm. The Doctor says, about 12 hours. So she runs up to see her mom. And meanwhile, the Doctor is looking at the courtyard. And he sees an old poster kind of flapping in the wind. He goes up to the poster. And it's a police appeal for assistance. Can you help? Uh, Missing Rose Tyler. Meanwhile, Rose has been walking up the stairs. She enters in the flat and just pretending she's just been gone overnight. Jackie sees her. She drops her mug and just basically is stunned. Rose is wondering what's going on. It's not like she hasn't been out all night before. And then she sees the posters, uh, stacks of posters that Jackie has. Then the doctor tears upstairs, and as soon as Jackie drops her mug, he basically says, "Uh, it's not 12 hours, it's been 12 months, you've been gone a whole year, sorry. And then we go right into the credits. And for (laughs) Aliens of London, that, which is not the best story, but that is an awesome, awesome cliffhanger, and it really shows how Russell T. Davis has changed the program, because the cliffhanger isn't a monster. The cliffhanger isn't about some kind of danger. The cliffhanger is on an emotional, on a personal, on a character moment rather than on a plot moment. I cannot fault you (laughs) with that cliffhanger. That is an excellent cliffhanger. That is an excellent analysis of said hanger. And um, yeah, perfect. Of course. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's what makes the RTD era so good is his mm-hmm. ability to write characters and mm-hmm. create the emotion um, right. that we're looking for in our favorite show. And that's what one of the things he wanted to explore was character. What happens if this the shop girl effectively gets taken out of time? What are the impact on the people around her? Because she has a family. She has a boyfriend. And then we learn later that Mickey has been basically accused of killing her or abducting her or doing right. away with her right right so it hasn't been pleasant for him either <laughs> yeah yeah no exactly and yeah it's 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 good as i said it's it's the 
these in, it's these personal personal touches, uh, personal emotional touches that that really mm-hmm. give the uh, give the edge to the the Davis the Davis scripted shows. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, how about your first one? So, my first one also Aliens of London, and oh. um, I went kind of polar opposite of you, and I actually uh, it is it is monster based, even though of course the Slithine are not the best monsters. Mm-hmm. It's the cliffhanger between. Episode one and episode two, mm-hmm. where the Sludine, you know, un- unveil themselves, uh, you know, the undoes the zipper, out comes the light, which implies <laughs> that a Sludine might be emerging, um, right. and they and they electrocute everybody, right, including the doctor, <laughs> including the doctor. And at this point, you see, I was desperate for a cliffhanger, right, um, because you know, I you know, that 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 emotional shock you get from mm-hmm. cliffhangers i really really wanted one right and i just remember the sense of relief oh yes at last there's actually a cliffhanger mm-hmm. everyone's in danger people are getting exterminated or at least electrocuted the right. doctor is in danger he's going to find a way out of it next week will be awesome so that's why i picked this one because it was the first kind of jolt of cliffhangerness <laughs> um, literally a jolt <laughs> literally a jolt of cliffhangerness that i really felt i'd gotten from mm-hmm. the new series because like uh, like the new series itself, which was you know finding very much finding its feet still by Aliens of London, I was still mm-hmm. finding my feet in terms of do I like this new Who or not? Right. Um, I wasn't uh, you know I think the internet wasn't at such a point at that point where I was able to watch these online. Um, mm-hmm. What is actually was going on is my sister was um, recording them on VHS tapes. Thank right. you, Rosie, if you're listening to this. <laughs> and Finn, that's your mum I'm talking about there. And um, and she was posting, she was mailing them to me in the United States. Hmm. Um, so how much of a delay were you experiencing between UK broadcast and when you got to see a, them? Uh, like at least a week's delay. Okay, so she w- she didn't wait till the entire tape was filled up before she sent it. She sent it episodically. You know, I can't actually remember now. I think I think this first the first series. I think she was. I think she was kind of just putting them on on tapes and sending them. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember. Um, wow. And I remember, you know, it was we we we, we saw it in kind of you know juddering. Um, uh, no, maybe she was putting them more than one on tapes. Anyway, so, you know, I was trying to avoid spoilers and right. blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, that's how I was watching you at that point. Wow, that's kind of suspenseful because you have to kind of live your life in a bubble, especially if you tread at all in Doctor Who fandom or read any kind of Doctor Who news site to not get ruined for it. Yeah, but, of course, this was, this was I mean, you know, there was no Facebook at this point. Um, mm. You know, damn, I should have bought shares. <laughs> at that point, I should have, I should have, I should have invented Facebook. Yeah, um, there you go. Uh, at that point, there was no YouTube. I should have invented YouTube. There were no iPhones. I should have invented those as well. <laughs> um, at that point, so you know, it was slightly. And of course, you know, it, I was in America. Right. Nobody cared about Doctor Who, so it wasn't in the newspapers mm-hmm. or whatever magazines. Um, so it was actually easier to avoid than you might imagine mm-hmm. um, at that time. And you and your family had just moved to the U.S. at that point. Yeah, we moved at the end of the end of two thousand and two. So we had a couple of, right. a couple of hoolers years, and then mm-hmm. bam, straight into two thousand and five. Right. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so that so that's my that's my Aliens of London cliffhanger right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as the first cliffhanger, I guess it has the honor of being the first cliffhanger of the modern era. But it is the Slovene just. They seem to miss a beat on that somehow. I just not sure what they were thinking with that kind of monster. Oh no, no, absolutely. <laughs> the, the kind of just the suspension of disbelief that even though they, you know, cast a bunch of fat people, 
mm-hmm. um, as the Slovene mm-hmm. suits, mm-hmm. Um, it was still basically not possible to believe that mm-hmm. a Slovene could fit inside one of those suits, mm-hmm. even with you know the compression and the farting right. and all that kind right. of stuff. The, kind right. of, you know, ha- the hand wavium that went on to kind of explain <laughs> that. It was like, well, that's just... That's mm-hmm. just telly nonsense. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess in some ways, because this era is now, you know, 13, over a decade or so old, it's right. possibly grown on me in more of a kind of nostalgic way. And now I look mm-hmm. at the Sistine more in a kind of tradition of a crap effect. You know, they're like the dinosaurs <laughs> from the dinosaur invasion or something right. like that, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, anyway. Hmm. All right. So, for my second cliffhanger, I'm going to... The End of Bad Wolf, which uh, is kind of the... It's it's a slow brew of an episode where the Doctor is shoved into uh, Big Brother House. Uh, yeah, Big Brother House and also um, Weakest Link as well. You are the yeah, Link, Jack was like. on... Yeah, and then yep. Jack was on... But so the cast was on these game shows and yeah. the Doctor is trying to find out what happened to Rose, believing Rose has been uh, killed as failing to win one of the game shows and he, he discovers that uh it's actually the daleks and they put a put in a facetime call between the two <laughs> and the daleks order the doctor basically to surrender and the doctor just says no and this confuses the daleks and they're going like what the what do you mean no and the doctor repeats no and it's because this is what i'm going to do i'm not going to surrender i'm going to come and i'm going to rescue rose tyler then i'm going to save the earth and just to finish it off i'm going to blow up all you daleks and the daleks get a little bit edgy about this and uh the Daleks are going, yeah, but you have no weapons, no plan, no defenses. And Eccleston, brilliant del- delivery. They're sort of like, yes, and doesn't that just scare you crazy or something like, <laughs> like that? And then he basically an aside or to you know, Rose and Rose goes, yes. And he goes, I'm coming to get you. And then the Daleks just lose their, you know, collective <laughs> sense there and you know the doctor is initiating hostile action the doctor is coming you know they just you can hear nick briggs doing all the voices there yeah yeah and just that cliffhanger of eccleston going rose i'm coming to get you and that's a very heroic doctor moment and you can sense that this was just what rtd was building to for this whole whole series with this with this bad wolf and just that um how the end of that the previous cliffhanger that I had with the pre-credit sequence of Aliens of London, where he's saying, I've never been slapped by a mother before in my past 900 years, but it's just, he, he, he becomes a protector rather than the uh, post-traumatic stress-affected, wounded doctor. Yep, yep. It's this recovery, this healing process that he's gone through with Rose, and now Rose, uh, Rose has saved him or helped him. Now he is going to return that favor, and it builds upon that. He screwed up early on. He's not going to make that mistake again. Yep. And I, I nearly picked this one as well. This is a, a great, 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 great. Mm-hmm. It's not really a cliffhanger in some ways. It's more of a like, yes, 
Yeah, it's a punch the air moment. It's a, I was I was literally I was making a punch the air. I was forming a fist and about to punch mm-hmm. the air at that point. Yes, it's it's that. It's like yes, you know, come on, it's the doctor. The doctor's going to sort these Daleks out, right? Um, like he always does. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's 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 also you know, I I actually during this episode I I firmly believed that Rose had been killed. Um, right. And, he, the writing yeah. sold it, and Davis sold absolutely it. sold it exactly. So you know, it's like yes, yeah, she's still alive, and yes, the doctor's coming to get her, and yes 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 yeah it's great mm-hmm. wonderful lovely lovely moment lovely moment and i was still in denial that eccleston was leaving the series at this point so yep. there's yep. rumors and it just was so implausible to me that after after the first year that any actor would want to give up that role of being the doctor. right right and, yeah and so i there, there was it was sort of like was was this a was this a bluff you know was this kind of misdirection or right you know, so right I had this hope, this great hope that Eccleston, because I, I really like the Eccleston Doctor, that yeah, that, so that would that would continue on. So, but was not to be. But that was like it's not quite quite a cliffhanger, but it's, it's presented as such. It's yeah. the, it sets up the parting in the ways, the final episode of this first series. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that you're picking like a well. So far, you pick like very emotional. And kind of character mm-hmm. character driven yeah. cliffhangers, which I think is nice. Mm-hmm. Where I I continue to pick, monster. I just continue <laughs> to, to pick monster ones because <laughs> obviously I, I'm less emotionally intelligent than you are. Yeah, um, I don't know about that. You just love your <laughs> monsters. I mean, that monsters are the reason to watch Doctor. It's true. It's true. And I, I, I'm a, I'm really unable to understand human emotions. So. <laughs> You, are you identifying with the monsters? I'm very much identifying with the monsters. Um, so my my cliffhanger is we've actually we we leapfrog over the ninth Doctor and we go slamming into the tenth Doctor's era. All right, and we it's army of ghosts uh-huh. and an army of five million Cybermen appear all over the world while mm-hmm. the cult of Scaro emerge triumphant. <laughs> <laughs> from their void ship, whatever the hell that is. But, you know, the, the thing that they're it's, all living it's in. It's a Time Lord prison for Daleks. A, time, a special Time Lord prison that's just for Daleks. And they very conveniently, the Time Lords, have made it in the shape of a Dalek. Um, <laughs> it's all about the branding. It's all about the branding. But anyway, I, I just, I, again, you know, uh, I think, I mean, you, you kind of said this when you were uh, talking about the, the Bad Wolf cliffhanger. Is one thing that, that and we'll, I'll talk about this again in another cliffhanger, one thing that RTD really was able to do, and I'm not entirely sure how, though I guess I could think about it and try and work out a reason, his writing and then the acting and the directing was really able to sell you, to make you be surprised when something that you knew was going to happen then happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of knew that the Daleks were going to turn up at that mm-hmm. point, but it's been a, basically a cyber-heavy episode. You know, the Cybermen were back, et cetera, right. et cetera, et cetera. Right. You know, the whole Ghostbusters thing at the beginning, which was a bit crap, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but, you know, this, this, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I, I think we pretty much knew that the Daleks were going were gonna to come, but when they mm-hmm. arrive, it's just such a, like, yes! Mm-hmm. The Daleks are here. There's going to be a scrap. It's going to be Daleks versus Cybermen, and it's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And that's... That's why it's such a great cliffhanger. It's like, okay, right. It's gonna, there's going to be a rumble for the next mm-hmm. episode, and it's going to be fantastic. And RTD does set it up, interestingly, I think, with Rose on the beach alone. This is the story how I died. So right. I, I'm waiting for that whole episode. And she's Rose is taking kind of really gutsy risks 
lipping off the Daleks and challenging them and you're just waiting for her to be zapped because right. it's it's a misdirection is this ghost rose no it's it we learn it isn't but it it it, right. it 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 does set up that additional peril so even the pre-credit cliffhanger if you will it's kind of sets up for this episode yeah. that something big is going to happen here yeah yeah and again you know like all like great Doctor Who, the the joy of Doctor Who is like setting up these big things that are going to go that are that are going to happen, like all kind of mm-hmm. fun genre dr- drama. Of course, the difficult thing is making it pay off at the end. And mm-hmm. you know, classic Doctor Who had trouble doing that, and New Who has trouble doing that too. But it's yeah. just so much fun to to just think about. Wow, something really awesome is going to happen now. That build up, that yeah. setting setting up that in giant. Yeah, <laughs> setting up all those dominoes and just waiting for that one to start tumbling them all down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now you had known the Daleks were coming, so you were you uh, anticipating this uh, cyber Dalek battle? Then I think I was. Yeah, and I, I can't remember how I knew. I think I probably had, I was. You know, was then kind of involved in hanging around on Gallifrey Base. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, chat room, etc., whatever the hell that is. Outpost thing. Gallifrey, probably at that time. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, Outpost Gallifrey, exactly. I, be, mm-hmm. I, I beg your pardon. Um, which actually, my very good friend and colleague Greg Schall had 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 introduced me to. Mm-hmm. And um, hi, Greg. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I had more of an inkling of what was going mm-hmm. on at this point. I wonder if this was spoiled in DWM at all or not, because it seems like it'd be something that RTD would want to pump up. Because I think at the time, this, he was saying that this was every fanboy's dream of uh, Daleks versus Cybermen. Yeah, which is interesting because I, I, it certainly wasn't my dream. I think, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I think he may be, I think he may have been, I think he may have been playing to the non-Who fan at that point. Because, mm, you know, okay. basically non-Who fans have heard of Cybermen and they've heard of, I mean, people who don't know about Doctor Who have heard of Cybermen, they've heard of Daleks and they mm-hmm. well, why don't they fight? But I think actual Who fans like myself, it's like, well, they don't fight because, you know, monsters and Doctor Who don't tend to fight each other that much. Right, right. Um, because of reasons, mainly because, you know, <laughs> Uh, the Daleks wrote by Terry Nation or something. Anyway, um, but yeah, I, mean, I guess I'd have to leaf back through my um, Doctor Who magazines to find mm-hmm. out whether whether I, whether this was spoiled or not in mm-hmm. the in in Who magazine. Yeah. yeah. So my uh, what is it? Third cliffhanger mm-hmm. is I will step back a little bit in uh, the 2006 series, so series two, to right. the pre-title sequence for the Impossible Planet. Oh yes, that is a good one. And so this is a monster reveal at this point. And it, uh, right. the whole atmosphere of the impossible planet, the earliness, the, uh, the TARDIS ode where the Ood was actually debuted was saying the beast shall rise. It really set the creepy, creepy tone for me on this one. And so this particular cliffhanger or pre-title sequence is Rose and the Doctor materializing. The TARDIS is making some really abnormal materialization It is. Uh, noises. Really kind of crunchy sounds, yeah. And I know that a lot of people find Rose and the Doctor insufferable in this season, but I thought it was pretty funny where the Doctor gets out kind of worried about the TARDIS saying it sounds like she has indigestion. It's kind of a queasy sound. And uh, Rose slyly with a, a twinkle in her eye says, oh, if you think we're going to be in trouble, we could always just get back inside and go somewhere else. And they both pause and they burst out laughing. And I thought that was a funny, kind of a funny Rose tenant moment. I, I, I really like the insufferable 10th Doctor and Rose. I think, yes, okay. I think it's, I think it's a really good... 
uh, uh, you know, character development. I mean, you know, obviously, it's very difficult to develop these characters in any kind of way. I mean, the Doctor right. really has no character. You know, mm-hmm. difficult to have any character development. But I thought that was actually it's a very. I mean, it doesn't really pay off in the way that I think it probably should right. have done. Yeah. Um, but I think it's. I think it, it was a fun attempt to kind of develop characters here and really mm-hmm. show them as just kind of you know, larking about the universe never really being in any actual danger and of course when you know on the impossible planet with the beast right they do find themselves in a place where there is real danger that little interchange kind of reminded me of pyramid of mars where sarah goes oh i know you're a time lord <laughs> oh yeah that's true yeah good <laughs> you know, good one yeah yeah so where the companion is our it just just kind of taking the doctor down a little bit, you know, you're right. being a little too serious, and but they both know that that's what they do. They go looking for trouble. It's a great moment. It's a great moment, and it is, you know, and it's 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 the the, the sense of kind of uh, kind of ominous horror that that ood expresses when it comes comes in is is, is great. Yeah, so they do go exploring. Rose reads, Welcome to Hell, and the doctor goes, eh, it's not that bad. And he says, no, look, look. And so you see Welcome to Hell written on the wall beneath um, writing that the TARDIS can't translate. So then you go, something's up with there. Then a door opens in this army of these ood going, we must feed, we must feed, we must feed. And that... <laughs> that was pretty creepy and I remember watching you know I had this torrented back in the time so I could watch it right away um and so that was a pause it's sort of like okay I'm gonna collect myself I'm gonna go get myself a glass of water this is kind of freaky I remember that monster moment really well and of course the cliffhanger is immediately resolved we we must feed you or something like that you know right. it, it's it, it's something silly but yeah at that point with the beast shall rise and you knew that gabriel wolf was the voice and the beast and it was a good monster moment for me great monster that moment. that reminiscence of what as a young viewer that i it was a behind the sofa moment for me as an adult yes Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, the, the the payoff is difficult at the end of, of <laughs> yeah. that two of that yeah. two parter. Um, but you know, the sense of kind of horror and foreboding and mm-hmm. and kind of cosmic, uh, you know, kind of demons Sutek style. Yeah. You know, there's Omega style cosmic horror. Right. Um, very, very good. Very mm-hmm. good. Yeah. 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 So you're number three. My number three, I go shooting even further into the future. <laughs> All right. And I'm, I land at Utopia. Ooh, snap. <laughs> because, and I, I'll tell you this one. So <laughs> at this point, my dearly beloved wife was watching Doctor Who with me very assiduously because she really likes David Tennant. Mm-hmm. And we were actually at this, by now we'd worked out a way to acquire episodes of Doctor Who via the internet, which right. we then put onto my laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd actually be in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, however you pronounce it, um, for an art thing that I was doing. And we were actually watched this on the aeroplane, flying back from Los Angeles to Minnesota mm-hmm. on my laptop. And of course, this cliffhanger is, ab- it's, it's, it's again, this is what I was meaning when, you know, the RTD era manages to kind of sell things to you that you right. know aren't true. Right. I knew that the master, um, well, that the Professor Yana was the master and therefore was going to be incredibly evil in some kind of way. Oh, total surprise to me. And boy, was I disappointed when he 
killed Chanto. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, there's this lovely insect character who you know is just really kind of sweet and kind of funny mm-hmm. and kind of fangirly, and then Professor Yan is all sort of lovely and mm-hmm. kind of you know evuncular. A nice old man. A nice old man, <laughs> and then you know, it's 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 really it's a it's an object lesson. Okay, if you get a good actor and you get a good script, it can be really special. And right. when the Professor Yana takes out, and then it's a great, it's a great um, callback. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we know about the, right. the, the, the pocket watch, watch. Yep, yep. because we know about human nature and the family blood, and we know that, you know, Time Lords can hide themselves, hide, change their characters and hide their real characters in a watch, etc. So he mm-hmm. takes out the watch and changes back into the master, basically. Right. And it's just absolutely amazing because you know you suddenly realize oh my god yes here we go mm-hmm. there's some regeneration happening um you know, right just... yeah because chanto shoots the master exactly and it's just it's like a whole bunch of stuff going on at the same time and mm-hmm. everything is coming together and you get the idea that someone has really sort of planned the series mm-hmm. to be at this moment very very smart Right. And it wasn't an obvious, quote, check off gun yep. placement of that watch in human nature because it's Paul Cornell's story. It exists as a seventh doctor, yep. new adventure. And you weren't expecting to see that watch again. But as yep. soon as you heard that watch was there, you knew that something bad was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And Derek Jacobi, you know, he's a, he's a oh, great actor. Oh, yes. And he's, you know, he can play avuncular and, and, and nice and he mm-hmm. can play super evil. And, yes. he, and he's able to <laughs> <He> does both <laughs> convincingly turn from mm-hmm. being super nice to, to being super evil. Right. Just with like a flicker of his eyebrow and, mm-hmm. you know, a twitch of his face. Like, oh, my God. Yes. It's, it's almost as if the shape of his pupils changed at that point. It's so subtle. And it's shape of his face changes yes it's just brilliant brilliant mm-hmm. and you think mm-hmm. oh and you know it's an omg moment like yes. omg what is going to happen now they're mm-hmm. trapped outside with something that's exploding probably well we um, got that future kind about bearing down oh, that's on this, it the kind of the mad wall. max people yeah, exactly yeah, are coming yeah. to get them and you know it's all it's all kind of kicking off in the most kind of exciting way possible great great cliffhanger obviously. right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and the resolution easily resolvable as uh, as most classic doctor who cliffhangers were <laughs> Yeah. Um, here, Jack, show me your <laughs> travel bra- bracelet or your time travel bracelet. Your special bracelet that allows you to travel in time. Sonic it a little bit. Boom, we're back in uh, Boat for Saxon. <laughs> exactly. Boat Saxon. So, it's a frantic, frenetic episode that just at the beginning with um, the, the pre-title cliffhanger with Jack... He's at Torchwood Hub. He hears the right. TARDIS. He runs, and then he leaps on the TARDIS just as it dematerializes. And Jack is caught in the vortex, a time time stream, hanging on the outside of the TARDIS. And that's a cliffhanger in itself. It really, yep. Russell grabs you with that and doesn't let go. Basically, through every beat of this story, it is a very tense, gripping very, very 45 tense. minutes of Doctor Who. And obviously everyone knows by now that we're very critical in some ways of the Moffat era. Mm-hmm. But if you think about the kind of the Moffat way of kind of, you know, setting things up and, you know, this kind of season arcs of kind mm-hmm. of story, you know, the, just the way that risk that the pocket watch is used earlier on and then mm-hmm. it's called back in just the most effective way possible in Utopia. And that's, you, you don't really have to have these giant kind of arcs with kind of cracks and, well, It's you know, a lot, well, I mean, anyway, it's the yeah. same thing uh, Moffat does like with the Tesselecta, but 
the Tesselecta is so obvious that it's going to come back. It's either going to be the Tesselecta or the Pudding Doctor type character. Yeah, it's so, I mean, the Tesselecta is so high concept. It's like, well, that that must be coming back in some right. way because right. you know what? The Doctor isn't dead, so mm-hmm. it must be something. Right. You know, it's, mm-hmm. But the best kind of callback is something that you know is important, but you don't really notice that much because right. it's embedded in another plot. Right. The pocket watch was so essential to human nature, family of blood, that you're not expecting it to come again in no. the same series. No. And just that RTD does use it again in the same series, he effectively hides this major plot point, Chekhov's gun, and to use cliche, yeah. in, in plain sight. Hiding in plain sight, yeah, yes. exactly. It's brilliantly done. Yeah. Now, the follow-up of Utopia, the, the second and third part of the trilogy less than stellar writing but that that first part yeah, Utopia. yeah. yes and I, I mean i think you know the sound of drums i i do i actually enjoy quite 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 a bit mm-hmm. um last of the time lords it's like oh okay you mm-hmm. haven't really worked out how to do this though you know i think the ending uh, even though of course you know it's it's you, it's the tinkerbell problem the tinkerbell problem but you know i think you know, the, the the final ending where you know the the, the where the master refuses to regenerate just basically to spite the doctor right uh, um is 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 again it's just a very nice piece of character writing mm-hmm. you get the idea okay that that is the master's character like that's exactly what he would do if he's dying he's not going to he's not going to regenerate and come back to life again just simply because the doctor wants him to right he's actually going to deliberately die mm-hmm. because that will piss off the doctor or right. you know it will upset the doctor so right yeah yeah, yeah. it was a very fitting first end for john sims to Master. Yeah, and then of course because it's RTD, he has to come yeah, back as yes. the as the the bouncing yes. master. Mm. Um, so yeah, 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 anyway. yeah, 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 etc., etc., etc. All right, well, um, that took care of my. <laughs> that took, that's your number four, four right? So yep. I've got to do my number four. So my yeah. number four is having just said that um, I didn't really care for the Last of the Time Lords. I am actually going to reference the, tit- <laughs> the Titanic. <laughs> crashing through the wall of the TARDIS. <laughs> so the end of The Last of the Timelers. Which what? is such a gloriously what? sort of silly... Because <laughs> basically, when when we come to um, Voyage of the Damned, like, the Titanic doesn't do that, um, <laughs> really. And then it's no. not actually the Titanic, it's a spaceship that's right. shaped like the Titanic. Right. Even though it's not actually shaped like, like the t- Titanic. So it's a complete kind of... What's the word? It's just a joke, basically. Right. Um, but a very, very good RTD one. RTD being silly. It's a silly, silly yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And again, you lost the Time Lords has been very emotional. There's been a lot of kind of, you know, very, very heavy stuff going down. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been an alternate timeline where the human race has been enslaved by bots from their future that's like their diseased brains and, you know, the the masters taken over the world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it's a very it's a great kind of like silly end to a quite an intense episode and mm-hmm. it sets up like a lot of curiosity for okay what's going to happen at christmas mm. so. yeah and you get kylie minogue and what you have you get kylie minogue wrapped up in a um wrapped up in a in a in a in a, in a maid's uniform which is mm-hmm. which is lovely yeah she's not not really my type but anyway very, very good to see i think it's been the highest viewed christmas episode there has been. well the, uh, the british people do love kylie minogue so i mean that is <laughs> that is that's that is something that we'll we'll watch kylie minogue open an envelope yep there you um, go let alone be on Doctor Who. And I just don't think she has a presence in the U.S. Maybe I'm just not in those circles. But I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. Um, but she's, she's huge and continues to be huge in Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think she's been silly enough to try and become equally huge in the United States. I think she's 
quite comfortable. I mean, she's a sensible Aust- woman, basically. Australia and... Uh, Australia and the, Australia and the UK. UK, yeah. And Europe, probably. Um, Do you know? Yeah. Anyway, so uh, and last, so it's it's just a funny, it's a funny, it's a funny little cliffhanger. It's a brief one, yeah. Just like with how Derek Jacobi can change right. in a heart heartbeat, the tone of his performance, RTD just changes with that crashing of the Titanic into the TARDIS. The whole tone of Last of the Time Lords, right. we're, we're back into silly RTD here. Yep, yep. We're back in silly, the silly RTD era, and you know, RTD is clever enough to be able to say, look, I can do motion, I can do, you know, I can do death and destruction mm-hmm. and horror, and I could also be really silly about things as well, because right. so, I'm just really good at everything that I do. Yep. Except for plot. <laughs> except, for, except for plots, but I can, you know, <laughs> it'll be all right in the end, don't worry. Everyone will, everyone yeah. will love someone and it will mm-hmm. be fine. Yeah, I don't think RTD really cares about plot. I think he cares about character and character development. And plot is just a way of uh, showing how characters react to uh, circumstance. I think that's very. I think that's very true. And I think that that is the difference between him and Moffat, because I think Moffat is basically the polar opposite of that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. we shall see next time. I think when we come we'll to Moffat, Moffat, Moffat hangers. Yes. All right, so for my final final uh, cliffhanger or Russell yep. T. Davis era, I am going with the end of Stolen Earth. And I am going to go snap on that one. All right, so we have had two snaps. Two snaps. So this is the reunion of the Doctor and Rose running across the street. Woomph, a Dalek appears. A Dalek shoots down tenant uh jack appears shoots the dalek and then the doctor dies in rose's arms jack's trying to get him into the tardis and saying he's dying and then uh you know donna's watching and jack tells everyone to get back and the doctor begins to generate meanwhile we're seeing cut scenes about sarah jane smith is pulled over by daleks about to be exterminated yanto and gwen are trying to defend torchwood hub their dalek has entered the hub and Tenant's last words <laughs> are, I'm sorry, perfect, perfect. Yeah. it's too late, I'm regenerating, and then we get that two, bam, B, bam, continued, bam, yeah. graphic at the end, and that is a great cliffhanger. Doesn't end very well. <laughs> we resolve greatly, but that is an amazing cliffhanger. The doctor is dying, about to regenerate. What happens exactly. next? This was unexpected. It was unexpected, though what was expected is that, you know, we knew that this was David Tennant's, like, last series. Right. Um, so it's very possible he could have regenerated right there. So to speak. I mean, because at that point, I, I'm yeah. not sure I knew about the um, the specials. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, well, yeah, he could easily regenerate. And again, the other thing, I think, I think because... We knew about it because we knew the next one was called the next. Exactly, doctor. called the next Doctor. We also knew that you know the first series of New Who, the Doctor had regenerated. You know, so like I mean, right, it, right, it, right, it right. happens. Stuff happens, and maybe it could happen. So it was, it was, it was exciting. It was exciting. I, I genuinely mm-hmm. thought, like, wow, maybe, maybe we'll get a new Doctor next week. That would be crazy. It would be because, especially because we don't know. What's going on with 2008? I think Tennant was taking off to do Hamlet or some Shakespeare play. RTD was taking a break because he was tapped out and Moffat wasn't ready to start because he was busy with the uh, Tintin or whatever he was working on. And and so we're we're having this gap year with four quote-unquote specials. And there was a lot of speculation that, you know, we were just going to have a doctor that would occupy 
those four four specials right. and right. then regenerate again into Moffat's doctor you know there's a, there's a lot of fan speculation and then of course we get a, a second regeneration for four specials with Tennant, which uh, Moffat kind of retconned into as a full regeneration or whatever yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah and then you know we get kind of the resolution of uh, handy doctor with uh, rose and it, uh, I, <laughs> I i love stolen earth uh, the journey's end not so much yeah it's it it, it all goes a bit pear-shaped actually towards mm-hmm. the end and like the whole kind of tardis dragging the planets back to <laughs> like well it's a sure, sure. i mean i yeah, can why not i mean we he did, <laughs> did he did something like that uh with uh the creature from the pit didn't he kind of Probably. uh spin the tardis around as a cricket ball something to like that like when superman like, spin, or... like goes around the earth the opposite direction and turns back time it's that kind of thing basically <laughs> yeah and it's this it's a the it's so russell t davis it's so bonkers that oh sure yeah i'll, I'll give you i'll give, I'll you, give that you that one, yeah but... i'll give you that mate that's fine and again you know he will say well you know that's that's what daleks do you know they move planets around right. the universe that's one of their things mm-hmm. and and surely mm-hmm. surely if the daleks can move planets around the universe as they did in dalek right. dalek as they were planning to do in dalek invasion of earth then surely this tardis can etc 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 but i mean it, it's yeah it's like well yeah fine Yes, I guess mm-hmm. they have to resolve it in some way. So, yeah, why not have that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there's the, the, this, this small moment where, like, oh, my God, the Doctor's been shot. Wow, he's regenerating. Mm-hmm. Great, great right. cliffhanger. Great, great cliffhanger. Right, right, yep. right. Yeah. Yep. And it, it, it shows, I think, we have some really classic epic moments in the RTD era. And they always seem to be the cliffhanger is really good but then just the resolution is either a shrug of the shoulders or just nothing severe or the following episode just doesn't quite live up to where you were placed in um that 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 emotional state or that that anticipatory state that you were placed in at that point of the cliffhanger yeah and again i mean i think you know i think Davis knows the reason for the cliffhanger, which is the cliffhanger makes you want to watch again next week. Right. But right. he's not that invested in keeping that anticipation, re- rewarding that 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 anticipation right. particularly. You, you returned. He did his job. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. You started watching again next week. Fine. Great. I've done what I said. Mm-hmm. I've, I've done what right. I said. I do. And, and I mean, and that is that is the same thing with the classic, like the Hinchcliffe era, where. The, the knock against the Hinchcliffe era is the episode four, the last part, is always kind of a letdown. It, it kind of peters out. It is. And it's a similar showrunner technique. It's sort of like, well, we got you to episode four. Next week or next time, there's going to be a new story. That's going to get you here. But we carried our viewership from yeah. episode one to episode two with this cliffhanger. Yeah, you, yeah, here you are watching episode four. We won. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You, you, right, didn't, right. you didn't stop watching. You're still here. So, too bad. And you know what? You're going to watch next week because it'll be a new story next week. Right, 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 right. So, for the most part, I think we chose uh, uh, stories authored by RTD. We did. I think we did. Um, Did we choose any stories not uh, authored? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Impossible Planet is Matt Jones. This is Matt Jones, isn't it? Yeah, other than that, I think we're all to RTD Well, here's to... Here's to Stephen Russell Davis <laughs> and the excellence of his writing. Have you read that uh, the the book that he wrote? Whatever it's called, the Writer's Tale. 
Do you have that? No, I haven't. No, it's I actually haven't. pretty um, good. Um, I have a hmm. copy signed by Russell T. Davis. Oh, wow. Um, and I actually recommend it. It's it's not a book I read very often. In fact, I've probably only mm-hmm. read it once. But when I did read it, it was actually kind of really interesting and mm-hmm. very kind of insightful about how difficult it is to write something. And, you know, it really mm-hmm. makes you understand, well, actually, you know, it's not easy to sit down and write a story. Mm-hmm. And he, he really sweats blood. I was going to say literally sweats blood, but probably he metaphorically sweats blood over these stories and you kind of really feel right. for him. And it really made me, um, you know, it kind of helped me understand that this is, a re- this is actually a really difficult job um, and no wonder people want to stop doing it after a while. <laughs> well, he, he seems to uh, excel under crisis situations. The more He procrastinates, I think, a lot. Being yeah. Just be, um, I'm probably perfectionism. He wants the perfect story and i think he's always trying to write something on something better than he's written before yeah. rather and i think that pressure is paralyzing at times I, it must be terrible i mean i find it hard enough to write you know like a board report for my trustees you know <laughs> which is all me saying is like yeah it's fine thank you mm-hmm. um no cliffhangers no, no cliffhangers yeah in we, board try, we definitely try and avoid cliffhangers <laughs> in the board report uh, <laughs> But, you know, it's, it, writing is hard. Writing is hard. And good yes. writing and writing that, you know, everyone in the whole country is going to be critical of um, mm-hmm. when it finally gets made. And, you know, and not, not only, and actually, you know, writing that then someone else has to speak and also be critical of. God, it must mm-hmm. be. It, it's a hard job. Hardest job in the world, mm-hmm. um, to quote the Far Show. Um, so do you have any honorable mentions or things that yeah a few um okay human nature is and family family blood is pretty much my one of my top one my top five new who stories and again Mm -hmm. i think all the way through that i enjoy it this this kind of you know great dramatic moments all the way through that one but i think the 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 cliffhanger between human nature and, and family blood is that cliffhanger where um they got him and he, mm-hmm. he he's still a human and he has to make a doctor's choice even though right. he's just a human i think is i think is a really nice one yeah i have uh moffat's uh pre-credit sequence for blink with sally sparrow peeling off the wallpaper oh, yes. revealing the message from the doctor written in 1969 oh yes i thought was a nice nice bit and it's uh very creepy again creepily shot and with the darkness and yes yeah i think there might be a storm brewing or owls hooting or you know something Spooky. that sets up yeah. the whole whole um haunted house well bit. i mean talking about moffat as well i like the science in the library when a companion is revealed to be in seemingly an inescapable peril oh, um, right. and With, you know donna's face is on was one of those on one of those things whatever those things mm-hmm. are called plinths or whatever things. yeah exactly yeah. um and and actually i mean i i, I science in the library and that that two-parter I, I, again you know it's i think that's that's some very that's you know the kind of writing and kind of plotting mm-hmm. that got Moffat the job right running the show you know it's very very effective mm-hmm. stuff and that's a nice cliffhanger in between those two episodes mm-hmm. one last one is uh, Colin Teague's pre-credit sequence in the fires of Pompeii where they announced that they're in Pompeii they discovered that they're in Pompeii on volcano day that certainly made me sit up a little bit. Yes, that's true. But then again, why else would you go to Pompeii, really, dramatically right, speaking? Right, true. Um, mm-hmm. we're, in, we're in Pompeii and 100 years before the volcano erupts. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> we're safe. We're saved. 
Or alternatively, we're in Pompeii a couple of days afterwards. Oh, this isn't very interesting. It's just some <laughs> a pile of corpses and some ashes. Mm, um, yeah. But anyway, yes, no, that it's it's yeah, it's good. And and yeah, it's there's a lot. There's so much to enjoy actually in RTD right. era. In fact, this is mm-hmm. making me want to go and find my DVDs and watch watch some RTD mm. who again um, from start to yeah. finish. Yeah, yeah. There's there's, yeah. there's a lot to enjoy. Little mm-hmm. moments, little piece of drama, mainly about character, which I think is just yep. very, very nice. Yep, I miss the RTD era. So do I. He should. They should convince him to come back and write a couple more. You know, for. Mm, I think he's. Done. I think he's. Done. I, I think if he does anything, it'll be either uh, novelization. Well, he just did that novelization, didn't he? Of, of um, Rose. Yeah, yeah, of Rose. Yeah, which I I need to pick mm-hmm. those up. I was planning to pick those up when I was in Britain, but then hmm. I felt that I didn't want to. I think I. I don't yeah. know. Well, you. Well, you can pick them up here or always yeah, order them from exactly. Amazon UK. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, uh, coming to the end of <laughs> the cliffhanger yeah. is we're going to do this again next week. We're doing the full Moffat. The full Moffat, Moffat era, yep. Okay. More years, I think what he has, uh, three more years than under as showrunner than RTD did, but yep. uh, we will try to do it justice and pick out five cliffhangers each from the Moffat era. From the Moffat and, era, uh, yeah chat about, chat them, a about them a little bit perfect all right well thank you for listening to episode 77 of the metabulous 2 podcast i have been talking with ben and i have been talking with david and good night good night to you